mindfulness mode. But, you know, if your rational mind is telling you to do something and you're just going to do it that way, but you keep getting these strong, strong gut feelings that you shouldn't go that route, you really need to pay attention to that. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness here on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host and mindfulness life coach, Bruce Langford. Hey, Mindful Tribe, have you ever had that feeling that somebody's thinking about you and then all of a sudden the phone rang and wow, you know, well, today we're here to talk about all of those things that happen when you might think, oh, wasn't that a coincidence? And many times it just simply wasn't a coincidence. At least that's what I think. I'm here to talk today about intuition and consciousness and all those things. I'm here with my wonderful guest, Marianne Borer. Marianne, are you in mindfulness mode today? Pretty much every day. Yes, I would say so. That's great. Marianne Borer is a PR professional, a communication specialist, and an intuition advocate who has interviewed some of the most gifted intuitives in the world. She's also interviewed top scientists, researchers. She's interviewed so many people and even a Catholic archbishop and uh, all about the topic of intuition. And she shares her findings in her new book that was just recently released. And the book is called The Gift Within Us. Get that book, Mindful Tribe. It is fascinating. And this book is, wow, well, we're going to find out all things about the book and about Marianne, and uh, I think you're going to be quite amazed. So, Marianne, what does mindfulness mean to you? And then we'll talk about intuition and consciousness, but let's start with mindfulness. Well, I think mindfulness to me means that we're aware that we're not alone, that we're getting signals and information and guidance from a lot of other places, from from beings and energies that are kind of smarter than us. A lot of people just think that they're just bumbling along on their own. And, and I can't even really use the word idea anymore. I use the word inspiration. Now, the fact that I want to make a meatloaf or something, is that always coming from the divine? No. But a lot of really great uh, thoughts have come to me, and I'm very well aware um, that and being mindful that those inspirations are coming from I call it the powers that be. My it could be your, my guides, God, our higher self, the greater whatever, angels. I mean, people who have different ways of defining it. But I learned that a lot of things that inspire me, um, I may have gotten from that that help. And this is the gift within us. The bow, very simple. That was an inspiration from my guides, my powers that be. The name, the gift within us. Another example of something that I was mindful enough to understand that some of these thoughts were coming to me, kind of aiding and assisting me. And that's kind of what I wanted to impart to anyone out there, that we do have, just by being mindful of the fact that we're, we have help, we have guidance is, is right at our fingertips if we just only understand that. And uh, one of the keys to understanding that guidance is to, be, to take your ego down a couple of pegs, be humble and listen. Right. So that's kind of the short story about my mindfulness journey. Yeah, wow, wow. Thank you for that. And and for those of you who are just simply listening and not watching the video, Marianne just held up a copy of her beautiful book and it has this gold bow on the front. The the book is absolutely 
beautiful, like I said. But once you start reading it, I don't think you'll be able to put it down because <laughs> it has so many fascinating stories. So let's talk about intuition and consciousness. Where do they intersect? What's your definition of intuition and what's your definition of consciousness? Well, consciousness, we have to play a role in that. We we really have to make a decision that we're going to be conscious. And also all of us with a beating heart, you know, has that other element, which is the consciousness factor. Just open up your mind and receive the information. Intuition is uh, just kind of the gut feeling of it. It's just kind of just the raw data is coming in. Many of us um, maybe don't listen to it, but you know, if your rational mind is telling you to do something and you're just going to do it that way, but you keep getting these strong, strong gut feelings that you shouldn't go that route, you really need to pay attention to that. Correct? So there is a lot of intersect between consciousness and intuition. Well, you talked a little bit about intuition at the beginning, but I want to know if you consider yourself a religious person. Well, I'll tell you something. I was raised Catholic and this was the first year I didn't go to Easter mass because of the the virus. Mm -hmm. But I have to say that uh, this book is for any of us. I don't care what religion you are. If you're any religion, the book transcends religion because especially uh, many of us have experienced not being able to go to church or whatever. That shouldn't dissuade us from understanding that we have the spirituality right at our fingertips. So I think in a way, it's kind of a good lesson. A lot of people I know have turned away. Well, actually, I'll tell you a statistic. Pew Research, P-E-W Research, found that the fastest growing group of people are people who identify as spiritual, but not religious. They've turned away from traditional religion, maybe because of the sex abuse scandals and all of that stuff, but they're still yearning for that spiritual connection. They just don't know where to get it. And that's kind of what my book is about. It's about being able to understand that it's right there for us. And again, though, it isn't about this religion versus that religion. In fact, many millennials are growing up really not identifying in, with any religion. But yet, again, they're seeking that connection, that, that they're yearning for that spiritual connection. Well, so many of my guests talk about the universe or they talk about, you know, there's so many words. And here we are running around on earth fighting about which religion we can talk about and all this thing when ultimately it's all just the same, isn't it not? Well, you know, it's interesting, as you mentioned, a Catholic archbishop. When I was growing up, my dad was a Methodist. My mom was Catholic. He converted to Catholicism when I was maybe about seven or eight. And Father Flynn, who looked a little like Bing Crosby, you know, lovely man, he converted my dad and he became to Catholicism and he became a family friend. Father Flynn then became an archbishop, uh, Bishop Flynn, and then he raised up to archbishop. I have not talked to Father Flynn in maybe 20 years. So while I'm writing my book, um, towards the end, I thought, you know, I'm just curious what Father Archbishop Flynn would have to say about this. You know, would he say it's the work of the devil? You shouldn't be talking to psychics, et cetera, et cetera. So I called the man and I interviewed him and he said the most beautiful things that I just didn't expect. He said that Jesus had these abilities, saints had these abilities. And, and actually, I'll read a, a little quote from the back of the book um, that I, I talk about Archbishop Flynn and, and his interview in the first chapter, which is called The New Spirituality. But basically, he says this to me. This direct connection has always been available to all of us. Some receive this guidance through prayer, some through meditation, and others by simply listening to their inner voice. 
We all have access to divine wisdom. It's just a matter of knowing and trusting that we are loved and worthy of receiving that guidance. I mean, wow. Beautiful, beautiful thought. And this man, he is the, the bishop, as a bishop, he was the head of the committee to investigate the sex scandals, right? He's a very high up guy. He just passed away in this last October. So I was fortunate enough. I couldn't believe what he was telling me. He was so accepting of this, so encouraging. And that kind of quote was what he's saying in my first chapter. And frankly, I had tried to contact bishops, ministers, rabbis to do a chapter about what traditional religion thinks about intuition. Nobody would go on record. Nobody. So getting Archbishop Flynn to speak with me and, and before he passed, I mean, I didn't even know he was sick, but I sent him an email saying, are you sure it's OK for me to write these things that you said? He goes, gave me the green light. Wow. So, you know, I think that that's wow. stunning. It is stunning. And did you record all of your yeah. interviews? Did you? Everyone. Do you think you would ever publish the recordings? Oh, that's an interesting question. Um, everybody I interviewed knew they were being recorded. I have <laughs> old-fashioned cassette tapes yeah. and tape recorders all around me. Um, now my phone has this audio thing, all the iPhones you can, and I also tape it on there. But I don't know. That's an interesting concept. It's it. People are fascinating, and when you're asking them about their lives. I mean, I, I interviewed 33 very highly gifted intuitives, psychics and mediums from the U.S. and around the world. I, also, at the end, after they talk about their lives, how they first realized they were gifted, many as children were bullied. I mean, you wouldn't believe what they've gone through. But I also ask them at the end, what do you want to share with people about what you've learned? And they come up with the most beautiful pearls of wisdom about, you know, the afterlife or whatever it is that they want to share. So there's these golden profile chapters, I call them, about these 33 gifted people. Um, as I said, some were bullied as children, some were scared of their gift, some were closeted, some were accepted, some came to their gift in their 40s after having a life as a naval commander. Suzanne Giesman's in my book. She was on Air Force One with the president. And, and then at the age of 48 or something, she retired. And her husband's daughter, her stepdaughter, who was pregnant, was walking somewhere and was struck by lightning and died. And then suddenly she's flooded with this mediumship ability. And, and she also has a radio show. She's written books. She's amazing. So everybody's story in my book is quite different. And it's fascinating, even for the gifted people, to read about other gifted people. Because they say, wow, I thought everybody was just like me or whatever. And, mm -hmm. and one, Suzanne said to me, Suzanne Giesman, she said, really, Marianne, were some of these people bullied as children? And I said, yes. One gentleman, Eddie Connor, he's from the South. He's so funny. And he said, though, he was gay and he was beaten up regularly for being gay. But he said, Marianne, coming out as psychic was a thousand times worse. Because there is this taboo around this topic for what it's changing. It's changing. It's, it's way different than it was even 20 years ago, even 10 years ago. Uh, but we, that's part of the reason I wrote the book, because I want people to understand that these are real people. I, I didn't purposely in, in, interview celebrity psychics, although James Von Prague uh, has a quote on the cover of my book. He's, he's been around 40 years. Wonderful man. The only reason I even talked with him is he's best friends with one of the gifted people in my book, Kelly White, who's from uh, Beverly Hills. I loved him. He's great. But uh, these are regular people. I mean, somebody said to me, Marianne, I can't believe some of them were are divorced. Some of them were in abusive relationships. Some of them, I mean, their lives are not perfect just because they have this gift. In fact, 
many of them, uh, some were closeted because if people found out they were psychic, uh, they might be prejudiced against them for whatever reasons. So it's very interesting, their stories. Well, our world is going through so much change right now. And I was going to ask you, do you think there will be a day coming up in the future where we can talk openly about these things without fear of being discredited or being, you know, thought of as a lunatic or something like that, because that's true. Like so many people who have, you know, intuition is real to so many people and reading your book, it's like, absolutely it's real. And yet so many people are afraid to talk about it. Do you think that day is ever coming? I think there's always going to be a faction of people that are living in fear about this. I'm not there to change their minds. Um, it also depends on what stage you're at, soul development wise, you know. So, but there's, and then there's the group that really l- listen to your show that really get it. Okay. So that's great. Part of what I've done with this book is I'm trying to shine a light on that big group in between who have turned away from maybe traditional religion, but they're yearning, they're seeking. And they need to know that. It's right here at our fingertips. It's not something to be afraid of. Um, when people say, oh, we're all psychic, I say, uh, no, I don't say that because the level of giftedness in the 33 people that are in this book is extremely high. They're at the top end of the heap. They were extremely gifted, extremely accurate. But for regular folks like us, every last one of us has access to this divine wisdom, this divine guidance, uh, just by listening to our inner voice. The only caveat is, it's imperative that you take your ego down a couple of pegs. Listen, be humble. Humility is not a strong suit for many people, especially in the U.S. <laughs> <laughs> Marianne, Marianne, I want to ask you, how did you change as a result of writing this book? Well, a little background. Um, I, I'm a public relations person by trade, and I lived in New York City for almost 15 years. And um I had to do a big press event and just before the year 2000, uh, 1997, because a client of mine was putting a giant digital clock on 34th Street in Midtown, counting down the days and seconds to the year 2000. He called it the Millennium Clock. And he wanted national press for this clock. And I don't even know why he really erected. He's a restaurateur, owns all the franchise restaurants in New York, but he wanted national press. So I said, really? Okay, what do I do? So again, I had this inspiration, find really highly gifted psychics and mediums, do a press conference and and talk about Y2K. Remember back then people were scared. Y2K, the world's going to end. So a thousand days before the year 2000 uh, at a TGI Fridays and restaurant in Midtown Manhattan, I had 24. I did a lot of research. I I had 24 highly gifted psychics and mediums. I wasn't just going to do a stunt and pull storefront psychics together, right? And journalists came to this event. 75 journalists came to this event, including the Wall Street Journal, CBS Evening News, of course, Entertainment Tonight, Inside Edition, and those types. And they could sit, each gifted person was seated at a different table, kind of speed dating style. And the journalists could get three minutes or so with each of them and ask them either personal questions, world event questions, or celebrity questions. And the reason I mention it is for two reasons. The guy from the Wall Street Journal came up to me at the end and his face was just drained of any color. He was shaking. And he said, Marianne, I I confess I came here to make fun of these people, but they were so accurate that I'm still in shock. The other reason I mention is I ended up becoming close friends with a lot of these gifted people and still am. 
And uh, yes, of course, it generated huge national and global press, but the friendships that endured from that time have been strong. And, And over time as a communicator, as you are as well, I started to get irked feelings that why are these people being put down? Why are they so misunderstood? And I started writing their stories for a book, I guess. Um, And it's just started to work over time that I'm writing. Their their stories are maybe seven to nine pages. They're not just a couple paragraphs. Um, And then over time, it organically grew into their stories. But also I interviewed scientists who are studying psychic ability like Dean Radin and Dr. Gary Schwartz and others. Um, I wrote chapters also about how people with these gifts have been treated throughout history. You know, Mm -hmm. back in the day, kings revered them. And then they went through horrible times where they were persecuted. So it's changed. So the book is more than just the 33 profile chapters. I also have a chapter, Six Simple Steps to Accessing Your Own Inner Voice. Uh, It isn't an arduous job. I'm very bad at meditating. I'm sorry to say that I have great respect for people who are good at it. And I think for mindfulness, it's, it's killer. But I'm a white knuckler. So if I can get into that space where I can receive information, anyone can, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, Marianne, I'd love to talk about two or three of the people that you profiled in your book. And one of the the first ones that comes to mind is Cindy Wenger. Mm-hmm. And uh, she had a special gift to communicate with animals. Could mm-hmm. you tell us what it was like interviewing her, her and tell us a little bit about, about Cindy? Well, actually, there's two. There's Elizabeth Lee from California and Cindy Wenger, who is from Pennsylvania. And I have to put them together in a way because I have a dog, a little white fluffy dog, a Bichon Frise. And yeah. while I'm doing these interviews, Snowball, of course, was her name, um, was ill. And it, 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 because they're reading my pet, they're not reading me. Um, it was very interesting because I wasn't sure if my dog was going to survive. She was only eight years old. But in both cases, they said, your dog is going to be passing. And sure enough, in that space of that month, we tried to take her to the vet and everything, but everything just kind of failed. Um, And she could communicate, both of them could communicate with, with my animal and tell me what they were thinking. And it's ironic because Elizabeth Lee, the other animal communicator, she's allergic to animals. So she can't own a pet and she loves pets. Same, Cindy can own pets and does, but they feel... Cindy Wenger, I think if you read her chapter, she would be sitting on a back porch and there would be a cricket or something and she could hear them communicating with her. I mean, any life form. And she was overwhelmed with this, but she's turned it into helping people communicate with their pets. You know, pets are extremely spiritual beings. Yes. I call my dog an earth angel. We have a new Bichon named Lila. And I feel that energy and that love from those animals. So that's why I wanted to communicate a couple of stories of animal communicators. You know, they're easy to put down because how can we really test what they're feeling, right? It's not like we yeah. can grill the animal, but uh, they do tremendous work with horses, all sorts of different um, animals, cats, dogs, whatever. But yeah, I thought that they deserve some some notoriety and some respect because our animals, if, if we can also intuitively listen to our animals. I don't know if you have any pets. Yeah, uh, we have a a cat, and I had a dog who passed a year ago. Still miss her so much, mm-hmm. and she looked a lot. I used to have a Bichon a long time ago, mm-hmm. but uh, she was a, she a little white dog uh, 
West Highland Terrier. Oh, I so love that. So they look similar, but you know, but the years mm-hmm. are different. And she just was so amazing, and I loved her so much. And uh, then our our cat died back in I think it was May, April or May, and uh, so we really miss her as well. And now we have one cat left. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I I love pets and. And I think it's fascinating to connect with people who have that intuition that they know what, you know, they can communicate with the pet better than I can. Yeah, I think all of us, if you're being honest, I think all of us who have pets have felt that. Yeah. You know, and they're just so loving. I mean, some pets have some neurotic problems. Not mine never did, but there are neighbors that have pets that just won't stop barking or whatever. So these communicators can go in and actually talk to the pet and calm the pet down or get more information. So yeah, they're in my book, Elizabeth Lee and Cindy Wanger. Yep. They're fascinating. Who's, an, who's another person that jumps into your mind that you'd like to tell us about? Well, I have to say there's a gentleman from Australia named Paul Asdig who um, lived in New York city for a long time. His dad passed and he had to go back to Australia. Now he's having visa issues. So he's still in Australia, but um, he is just, he's the first, it's all alphabetical order A to Z. So Paul's the first uh, profile chapter. And I want to tell you that when I do my interviews, I I tell people, you know, I've been referred to you by so-and-so either a scientist or another gifted person. I need two interviews with you. The first is a reading. And then about, a, and I'll tape it about a week or so later, I'll, I'll interview you about your life. And I'm not testing them or vetting them through this reading. I needed to experience the reading with them um, just to see how they work. And everyone's quite different. But, um, and then I, and if you, you read the book at the very beginning of each chapter, I, I say a little something about my experience with that person. In Paul's case, I tape the reading. I don't, I don't really talk much. I want to hear what they have to say. And Paul started off and said to me, Marianne, you're one of three siblings, right? You're one of three kids in your family. And I I said, yes, I have a brother and a sister. He said, but there's a fourth child who died at a very young age. Uh, His name was Michael. And he said, I want, and I got goosebumps because um, my sister was older than me. My brother's older, but Michael was born after my sister. I never met him. He died at a year and a half of pneumonia which of course was really hard on my mom, but um, I never met Michael. And he said, and nobody knows the story. I mean, my husband kind of knows it, but it's virtually one of those things. Nobody who knows me knows. And he said, Michael's all around you. And he's looking at you with, uh, you know, helping you with this book and looking at you with love. And I mean, stories like that just blow me away. But Paul as a young man would go up to people in the store at the age of five or six He'd be walking around in a supermarket and and his guys would tell him, go to that lady and tell her that her husband shouldn't beat her up. He should, she should leave. So he'd walk up to the lady and say, I know your husband's mean to you. You should, you should think about how to help you. And the mother, the woman would go over to his mother and say, how does your little boy know this? And so the mother had to start keeping Paul in a cart, the shopping cart, because he would just wander up to people and, and say various things as a little child. So yeah, everybody's story is very unique, but there's another gal um, who's in my book. She's a medium. Some people are psychic, some people are medium, some are both. So that's, that's a distinction. Virginia Centrillo is a medium, wonderful person. She for free will go into homes that are quote unquote haunted um, and, and help the spirit be released. And it's, she explained to me, they're not haunted. The spirit is just stuck. 
they're not trying to harm anybody. So she will do this with this, this, I think it's called Pennsylvania Paranormal Society. But she did a reading for me. And at the very beginning of the reading, she said, Marianne, I see the house you live in. Of course, she's in Long Island. She doesn't physically see it. She said, um, were there two old people that owned that house before you, an old couple? And I said, yes. And, and there was, and, and he died and then the lady died. And uh, I bought the house from her daughter. And she said, okay, their names were Bernice and Adolf. Now, who comes up with the name Bernice, right? Nobody. Yeah, um, really. But then I realized Adolf, mm, no, no. Everybody knew Mickey and Bernice, Mickey and Bernice. So I'm open when people say something that doesn't jive with me. I, I continue to listen, but I just say, no, his name wasn't Adolf. She goes, uh, yes, his name was Adolf. We get off the phone at the end of the reading. I'm clicking on my computer, looking up my street address, previous owners of this house that I'm in. And it's Adolf and Bernice Markovsky. He was wow. Jewish. And he never used his given name. He was ashamed of it and he hated it. So I think even his daughter didn't know his given name was Adolf. But isn't that amazing? That is a totally <laughs> amazing story. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, the, the, to be on the receiving end of so many readings uh, is incredible. And many of them, although they don't know each other, they would say the same things to me about, about this. So I, again, for people who are looking for a reading, um, I have the contact information listed at the back of my book for all of these people, uh, because I wanted people to be able to, um, the first question, how do you find a gifted person? And it's really hard. Uh, And I say, go to your local new age bookstore. They might know people locally, but the reason it's hard is there are, there are three groups. Um, There's out and out fakes, which most people think all psychics are fake, which really irritates me but that's a very small minority and more often it might be a corporation that runs a psychic hotline or something there's a huge group which i call the well-meaning but mediocre um all of us can sing bruce but not many of us sing like adele or frank sinatra true so there's this huge group they're not out to take your money they're not lying to you but the reading is seems good um but they're really picking up on your hopes and dreams and your fears your immediate the people that are super gifted, which is everyone in my book, they're going straight to the source. They may tell you something that you can't even believe will happen, or maybe you don't want to hear that, but they're just getting the, the pure story. And I'll give you an example of that. The very first psychic person I ever had a reading from, I was in my 20s. I was living in Pittsburgh, and I had a job offer from a big PR firm in, in uh, called Ketchum, which is based in Pittsburgh, but they have a New York office. They wanted to hire me, but I had to live in New York City and work out of the New York office. And I, I'm a small town girl. I didn't really want to move to Manhattan, you know? Mm-hmm. So because they are headquartered in Pittsburgh, I thought, well, I'll, I'll take the job, work in New York for six months or so, and then like transfer back here. So I had met this lady, Nancy Meyer is her name. She's in my book. Uh, in the green room of a TV show, I, I had to go on TV to promote around Halloween, this event called Fright Night. And she was also going to be a guest. I hadn't met her before because she's a psychic. So it was around Halloween. We met. She gave me her card. I did my segment and then she did hers. So about six months after is when I got this job uh, offered after I'd met her. So I found her card and I called her and I wanted to get a reading. And I, I frankly was kind of scared about the reading. So I drove to her house. And as you probably know, you don't have to be in anyone's physical presence to get a reading. Most of the people... Uh, halfway around the world, I've never physically met them. But anyway, back in the day, I thought, oh, you have to be there. So she sat across from me in, in her living room and started the reading. And I said, 
you know, this is my plan. I have this job offer. She looked straight at me and said, and we still laugh about it to this day because we're, we're still friends. She said, Marianne, I'm sorry to tell you this, but you're going to be in New York for many years. And my heart just dropped. And I was wow. so upset. And uh, sure enough, I ended up going to New York and I ended up uh, living there for close to 14 years. Now I would fly back and forth from New York to Pittsburgh, you know, on weekends. Sure. But it was not what I wanted to hear. And, you know, a funny thing, the other day she reminded me, she said, Marianne, about three years before you even had that psychic event, which I mentioned, where I'm, I told you you were going to write a book and you argued with me. She said, you were pretty grumpy. You said, I'm a PR person, not an author. And I had forgotten that. So she's, you know, <laughs> we have to laugh because she's just, you know, she just knew. Wow, that's amazing. Marianne, I've done a lot of work in the field of bullying prevention oh. for over 10 years. And I always ask a question about this. Do you have a story you can share with us about bullying, either yourself, maybe when you were a child, maybe as an author of this book, but a story where mindfulness maybe would have made a difference? You know, I have to say, I've, I've been fairly fortunate myself uh, with respect to bullying. And I've always been also an advocate for people who other people are trying to hurt. You know, that's why this whole situation right now with George Floyd is so heartbreaking to me. Oh, it is. I, 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 it, I can't even talk about it. It's just that disturbing. But yeah, I have a great deal of compassion for people. I, I myself somehow been able to breeze through situations. Mostly if I see abusive people, I run the other way. Mm -hmm. which is part of the reason that maybe I, I've been successful in not being bullied. So I'm trying to think of other people that were bullied. I mean, I mentioned many of the people in this book would be bullied by other people. I guess they figured that was a weakness that they were psychic or, or whatever, because the public perception is, oh, that's silly. You know, mm -hmm. intuition is silly. It's got to be women's intuition. It's, they just demean these gifts, which is, is, as I said before, is one of the most important forms of communication we can have. So I think that for bullying, for example, one of my messages is I did PR for free for battered women for years because I cared about uh, domestic violence and child abuse. And I have a story in the book, I call it my first divinely guided PR campaign, where I did this for free and I ended up getting this huge contract from Johnson & Johnson for four times what I was making to do a PR for battered women. I ended up in the White House getting legislation passed. It was all divinely guided. It's crazy. But you know, I care so much about the children. And one thing I always tell people, if you're with somebody that's harming you emotionally, physically, whatever, get out. Trust your intuition. Trust your mindfulness, your consciousness. That person is just there to harm you. And I've learned later that there may be a contract that you have in another, you know, before you came into this world, that you're going to have a bad situation with that person. But truthfully, the best thing you can do is just run as fast as you can the other way, because there's no good to really come out of that. And thank you for doing that work you've done with, with bullying. I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, no problem. Uh, you know, I've, I've certainly uh, learned a lot by doing that. And that's, that's the work that took me to mindfulness. But your book, Marianne, The Gift Within Us is so wonderful. And I love the subtitle, Intuition, Spirituality, and the Power of Our Own Inner Voice. Mm-hmm. And yes, our inner voice is so powerful and it can be a positive power, but it can also be a real challenge. It can be a negative power. What do you suggest people do when they're 
sabotaged by their inner voice, which is telling them, you know, to do things that just don't gel with them. I think that there's a and what you're describing there sounds like there's more of a psychological problem going on. Um, people that repeatedly get into abusive relationships. And that's one reason I did the PR for domestic violence. If you don't get your children out of that marriage or that situation by the age of two, chances are very strong that they're going to repeat that. The, the women will grow up to be with batters. The boys will grow up to batter the women. So if you're having something where your, your intuition is good to you, you're getting messages from of love and guidance from these really smart, smart, cool individuals beings. Um, so you're usually going to be steered in the right direction. If you keep sabotaging yourself, I think that there's something at, at work there that you need to explore maybe on a more psychological level, because um, the gut feelings, they're, they're pushing you towards the light, towards the right direction. So, you know, I was on one show and some man called in and said, I keep hearing I, that I should go harm people. I keep getting these voices. To, and I, I said, sir, you, you need to get some professional help because that's not what I'm talking about here. No, no, it's, this is coming from a place of love and guidance and positivity. And um, now if you're doing something destructive or negative and you keep getting the feeling, gee, that's wrong. I mean, listen to that, but no, it's all good. They we're here as souls. I'm sure you know this, Bruce, but we're born here and life is a school essentially. Um, our souls grow during lifetime. Sometimes we're meant to experience really tough things. Sometimes we're meant to experience beautiful things, but that's how our souls grow. And um, even those hard times, there's something you're going to get out of it. And now I will say also that your intuition is, it's not like a running faucet. There will be times, although rare, where you're in like what Archbishop Flynn called the desert of our soul. And the reason for that is because like a child that you're raising, if they fall down and skin their knee or whatever, it's all a learning process. Sometimes we're meant to grapple with the problem ourselves. But for me, if I ask for help and I ask for direction, oftentimes it comes. Like I had a former agent of my book who was a lovely, lovely woman it, it, for two years, but she just couldn't, she just didn't have the bone of selling, being able to sell a book. It wasn't her strong suit. So I parted ways with her and I, and I, I asked for help. And like the very next day, a friend of mine called and said, you should call this person. And that's my new agent. He's fantastic. So sometimes you have to just ask for help, you know, ask for guidance and listen. But if you don't get any guidance, oftentimes the rare times that have happened to me, I just kind of work through it myself. And I think that's how we, we expand and grow the mindfulness that you're talking about. Right. Marianne, as we move on in the interview, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. So just 30 second answers are perfect. The first one is this, who is one person who has influenced you in your life as far as mindfulness is concerned? Well, I think we spoke of him, Father Archbishop Flynn, Father Flynn. Right. He was just all about love. And, and as you heard in the quote that I read, and I hadn't talked to him in 20 years, he imbued me with this knowledge that uh, mindfulness leads to all things good. So don't turn that off. Listen to it. How has mindfulness affected your emotions? I welcome all emotions. I think that if you try to just compartmentalize yourself and only want the good things, you're not really being mindful. Sometimes there are things that turn us off that we don't like either about ourselves or other people or situations. Think about it, be mindful of it and embrace it. And that's kind of what I've learned. Don't try to shove these things away. 
there's a reason that you're being taught these lessons. Tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness practice. Oh, my goodness. You know, when you just focus on your breathing, it's probably one of the most spiritual experiences you can have. And not to bring this up again, but I was just watching George Floyd's funeral and Mm. they were saying, you know, he said, I can't breathe. They were saying, take the word breathe and learn from that, that breathing is life, is living, there's good things that come of it. So yeah, that word right now is very hard for me because of that mm-hmm. poor man. But yes, breathing is is a all positive living and it can help regulate the rhythms of your soul and, and of your mindfulness. Marianne, the book that you've written, The Gift Within Us, is so amazing. Are there any other books that you would recommend that are related to mindfulness? You know, there's a book by Dr. Schwartz, Super Synchronicity, and he talks about the fact Uh, I actually have a copy of it here. I can hold it up. He talks about the fact that synchronicity, you know what that is, when things just seem to happen. Like when we were on the phone, I was interviewing him. For some reason, there were a bunch of cardinals that were flying up to his window. And on my end of the, the phone, I looked out and there were all these cardinals on my roof. So his book is all about these interesting synchronicities. Um, and just being aware of that, and he's a very serious scientist. He's out of the University of Arizona. Just being aware of, of the fact that, again, we're human beings, but there's this expansive, wonderful divine wisdom that's out there trying to help us. They're, root, they're actually rooting for us to do well. We need to be aware of that. But Super Synchronicity is a book that I would highly recommend by Dr. Gary Schwartz. Yeah, Dr. Schwartz is amazing, and he's written some other amazing books as well. So thanks for recommending that. Mm -hmm. And the last question is, is there an app that you would recommend or maybe something on a website or something like that that can help people with mindfulness? Well, I have that app Calm. Yes. You know, and I think that that's very soothing. It doesn't demand that you do some arduous procedure to get there. It's just simply calming you down and bringing you into that space of, of amazing mindfulness. So that is one place where I will go just to soothe myself. And when you're in that mode of quiet, you get so many inspirations and you're just, you're flooded with, you know, wonderful thoughts or just, just even just soothed is another way of looking at it. But mindfulness is just opening up you know, my friend calls it a satellite dish where you're then able to receive all this really information. So I would say that app Calm has been very helpful for me. Well, that's great. Well, Mindful Tribe, go to Marianne's website. It's MarianneBorer.com and it's M-A-R-Y-A-N-N-B-O-H-R-E-R. So go to her website, but get a hold of this book. I think you'll find it fascinating. And Marianne, it's been really a treat to talk to you today. Thanks so much for being on Mindfulness Mode. Oh, Bruce, thank you so much. I look forward to talking with you. And I I always have the best experiences talking with people like yourself who have a very informed audience. You know, these folk get it and they also help spread the word to others. And that's another thing. Your show is helping to spread these messages to so many people. And then they in turn help others that maybe aren't as formed as they are. So for me as a communicator, what you're doing is fantastic. So it's my honor to have been on your program and I look forward to talking with you again. Yeah, me too, Marianne. Well, all the best to you. Bye now. 
Mindful Tribe. I hope you enjoyed today's interview. If you did, please tell your friends about the show. Every person who subscribes and listens helps our show. So in the meantime, take what you heard today and reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode. 